Welcome to the ministry of Bishop Emmanuel Nkepo of the Lighthouse Chapel International, Light of the World Cathedral, Kolegono. Bishop Ntefo is a medical doctor and senior pastor of the Lighthouse Chapel International, Light of the World Cathedral, Kolegono. A seasoned and anointed preacher and teacher of the Word of God, followed with various miracles, signs and wonders. His in-depth teaching of the Word of God will change your life forever. Now, here's today's message. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Father, thank you for a blessing. Just lift up your two hands and ask the Lord to speak to you one more time. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We love you and we worship you and we bless you. We adore you. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to come to your presence again. Hallowed be thy name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. How many of you enjoyed the session by Bishop Harry? But don't only enjoy it, buy the books. Get the books. Are you getting that? As he's whipping up your appetite, get the books. Um, we are continuing on our journey to building a mega church. Is that also? How many of you want the Lord to use you to build a mega church? Amen. A large church. It must be your aim, your vision for the Lord to use you to build a church of at least 1,000 people sitting down there. Hallelujah. Can you receive that? I said, can you receive that? It will happen practically in your life and in your ministry. Hallelujah. I remember that years ago, I used to pastor smaller branches. And uh, during, during conventions, we all gather at the cathedral where Bishop Dad will be ministering to us. And I will look at the size of the choir that would, would minister. And I realized that the size of the choir was often bigger than my church. So I used to ask myself, when will my church even be as big as the size of the choir. <laughs> I get what I'm saying. Now today, when I am having a convention, okay, I can also raise up a choir that can fill the whole stage. I think two years ago, two years ago, at a church good conference, the choir filled the whole of the stage. 
over 200 people. Let's fill the stage. So then I realized that God has made me a mega church pastor. That is why you must believe. Because church growth, I can't hear you. Church growth, church growth, I cannot hear you. Church growth, I don't think you believe it. Church growth, it is possible. It is possible. It is possible. I think after this conference, okay, just like juju men and malams and people have some incantations that they make when they are going to travel or when they are going to eat, uh, they just say something. Do you understand it? You to these days, you should be saying, church growth, it is possible. Church growth, it is possible. When you sleep in the night and you wake up in the middle of the night, say, church good, it is possible. When I go into the bathroom, say, church good, it is possible. When you enter your church and you see your 15 people and the rest of the chairs are empty, say, church good, it is possible. Keep saying it to yourself. I said, keep saying it to yourself. And one day you see it being possible in your life. Hallelujah. Now, we spoke about church growth and hard work. How many of you have come to realize that you don't just get up and have a big church? You have to work very, very hard. It takes a lot of hard work. Actually, if you don't want to work hard, you shouldn't become a mega church pastor. Because when the church grows, you even need to work harder to maintain the growth and let the church keep on growing. Yeah. From my experience, that is what I've seen. You have to keep on harder because of the law of deterioration. That everything that you have is also trying to spoil. So you have to work hard. Last week we had a, um, a special review meeting. We called it the small group review meeting. And uh, I was not there, but what I made my assistant and pastors to do is all the different small, small groups in the church the music, the technical team, um, different groups, ushering, you know, I made us to spend one whole day to analyze each of them to find out, are they working well? Or are they not working well? If you are not working well, what is the problem? They spend the whole day from 9.30 to 10 p.m.
to go through all this, you know, the media team. The media team. You see, because all this helps, the, 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 the helps ministry are needed for the church to continue to grow. And if they are not working, it affects the growth of the church. So it is not enough to have them. You must continuously make sure that they are working well and they are affecting the church properly. And that demands work. It demands work. Can I have an amen? amen. Now, this evening, I want to start off by looking at church growth and Gethsemane. Church growth and Gethsemane. And under that, I'm looking at how church growth is affected by Gethsemane. How church growth is affected by Gethsemane. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 22, 39 to 46. Luke chapter 22, 39 to 46. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. And he came out and proceeded as was his custom to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples also followed him. And when he arrived at the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew himself, and he withdrew from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and began to pray, saying, Father, if thou art willing, remove this cup from me. Yet, not my will, but thine be done. Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. And being in agony, he was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. And when he arose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping from sorrow and said to them, Why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into Gethsemane. Hallelujah. Number one, the principles of Gethsemane. Number one, Gethsemane teaches us that the turning points for your life and ministry are determined in the private and personal times you have with the Lord. Gethsemane teaches us that. You see, I'm preaching from this book, so 
if you had your copy, you would just be opening with me and I will be flowing. Alright? So please try and get your copy. Gethsemane teaches us that the turning points for your life and ministry are determined in the private and personal times you have with the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. The turning point in your life and ministry is determined by the private eh? the private times. Amen? Private and personal times you have with the Lord. How many of you want to have powerful turning points? And one of the turning points is for your church to grow and explode. And that comes about from the private times you spend with the Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus' ministry was powerful. Listen to this. Not because he was God. But because he prayed to God, the Father. Jesus walked on the face of the earth and ministered in the capacity of a man. Let this mind be in you which also was in Christ Jesus, who be in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no repetition and took on the form of a servant. He became a man. Hallelujah. Jesus walked as the son of man, preaching, teaching, and doing the work of the ministry. And therefore he needed the help of the Father. Eh? And spent time, private times, with the Father in prayer. And that accounted for the success, the power the miracles, the effects, the thousands that followed him everywhere he went. Can I have an amen? amen. The turning point for Jesus' ministry came in the Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane was the place where Jesus received strength to accomplish the will of God. The turning point for your church will come when you wait on the law. Hallelujah. The turning point uh, that will give you church growth will take place in your garden of Gethsemane. 
Amen. Hmm? A pastor should not be seen too much. Everywhere you are there. Everywhere. Listen, a pastor is called a man of God. A man. Just a, of God. You dear always, you are around God, you are by God, for God. I get what I'm saying. In God. A pastor is not a man of the world. A man of football stadiums. A man of movies. A man of the crowd. Do you understand that? Yeah. You need to, to have a Gethsemane where you are always there with the Lord. This is what made Jesus' ministry great and has established his church up to today. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus prayed all the time. Jesus prayed all the time. He waited on the Lord and so, pastor, if you want to build a large church, you need to be like Jesus. You need to wait on the Lord. And this is very difficult for many of us. This is very difficult for many of us. But it is the secret to the mega church and to a successful ministry. Yeah. There's a man of God that I'm inviting to do something. I cannot even get to speak to him. Because his secretary says he rarely picks up his call. He really picks up his call. He's praying. He has a huge church. So I'm still waiting to call him. To call him, we have to book an appointment with the secretary. He's going to tell us when to call him. But our phones our phones are with us every second, every two minutes. Do you understand it? Are you here? I'm taking my time to let you understand. <laughs> Church growth and Gethsemane you see, the scripture says, uh, and he came out and proceeded as was his custom. As was his custom. So Jesus 
had a custom of waiting upon the Lord at his Gethsemane. So you must have a custom. It must be your practice. Your habit as a pastor to have a Gethsemane. Lift up your right hand. Say, I'm going to look for my Gethsemane. Yes. Where you'll be waiting upon the Lord. Wow. Let me show you the prayer life of Jesus. Huh? The prayer life of Jesus. Matthew fourteen twenty three. Matthew fourteen twenty three. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Hello? And when he had sent the multitudes away, now this is when Jesus fed 5,000 people. He had been preaching and the crowds were with him in the desert. Then he fed them, 5,000. Powerful ministration time. I'm sure by the time he finished, everybody wanted to shake his hand. Everybody wanted to talk to him. Everybody, everybody wanted to tell him how much they were blessed. And all that. And he sent all of them away. After sending them away, what did he do? He went up into a mountain apart to pray. Wow. Think about it. When we finish with our conventions, you lay hands for some two people to fall to the ground. And we finish. What do we do? We take a chair and we sit at the front and we begin to shake hands. And feel good. Jesus, after a powerful time of ministration, left everything that anybody could say and went to pray. Can you imagine praying feeding and sending away 5,000 people. Sending 5,000 people away. That in itself would take a long time. But after that, he went to pray. Have you seen the difference between Jesus and us? He valued waiting on God. He knew that waiting on God gave him the strength for the work that he was doing. Now, it was from there, watch this, it was from there 
that Jesus went to walk on the surface of the water. In other words, it was from there that he went to do the impossible. You want to do the impossible? You need to spend time with the Lord. And building a large church is almost impossible. It's not an easy work. It is a difficult work. Yeah. It's a frustrating work. To start a church is one thing. To maintain a church is another thing. But to cause the church to increase and to grow is another Eh? It's another thing altogether. On the level of the impossible. If you want to do that, you must be like Jesus. Jesus did not just wake up to go and walk on the water. He did that after he had been of the Lord. If you want to build a large church, pastor, you will have to be like Jesus. Hallelujah. Verse 24. But when the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary, and in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. He went to them walking on the sea. So you see, you say, oh, I also want to walk on the sea. I also want to multiply bread for people to eat. I want to walk in the miraculous. I want to do the things that Jesus did. You want to do that? One of the things that you must learn is that Jesus waited on God in Gethsemane. I hear you go home. I hear you go home. Are you here? Yes. Number two, Mark one thirty five. Mark one thirty five. Mark one thirty four thirty five. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out. And departed into a solitary place. And there prayed. Hallelujah. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place. And there prayed. Verse 36. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. And he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. Now watch this. Jesus, how many of you agree that he had a mega church? Did Jesus have a mega church? Thousands followed him all the time. Listen.
We say that the church is not growing because of the location. But when Jesus went into the desert, far away from where everybody was, his church was still full. They followed him. They followed him. Bishop O'Hare, the post church, where they are now, when they went there, it was a bush, forest. When he got there, the Lord said, this is the place that I'm bringing. He said, are you sure? Because there was nobody around. The Lord said, yes. This is where I'm bringing Build a church. Kidanland. Today on a Sunday, 400,000 people attend service. It's not according to a location. It's according to what is on you. In the morning, rising up a great while before day. So a pastor who wants to build a mega church must be like Jesus. And a great while before day must be up. Is it tonight? You must decide whether you want to have a mega church like Jesus. Or look, this mega church idea. Do you understand it? You can't follow it. Jesus. I've heard Bishop says, Bishop Dan says, I go to bed early like an old man. 8 p.m., 9 p.m., I'm in my bed so that I can wake up at dawn to pray. Yes. So at dawn, you must wake up. Pastor, Mega church seeking. How many mega church seeking pastors are here and church workers? Are done. 2 a.m., 3 a.m., you are up. Dr. Yongicho, the pastor that God has used to build the largest church in the world, he said, For the past 50 years, for the past 50 years, I wake up at dawn to pray. And Bishop was sharing with us what he does. He will wake up at dawn. Dr. Cho will wake up at dawn and dress as if he's going to the office. So dress. Remove the pajamas and everything. Dress in suit, tie, everything. Yeah. At dawn. And goes, and goes to sit in his study or somewhere to pray. And the reason is that by praying, he's working. So he has dressed. He has dressed to work. And the work is prayer. You are snoring at 2 a.m. With your two legs on your wife. Your hand is around her waist. Look. We are taking it. We are coming. How many of you right there? We are coming. Eh? How many of you right there? We don't resemble Jesus at all. Eh? Eh? So you see, listen. Design 
your timing and your work and everything in such a way that you can sleep early. The secret to being able to wake up at dawn to pray is sleeping early. Sleeping early. So sleep early as an old man. Your children will say, Daddy is sick. Yes. When your children say, Daddy is sick, he's gone to bed. You have arrived there. When you sleep late, when you sleep late, you can't wake up. Now. And you see, when you wake up late to pray, your wife and your children are also up. And your wife is telling you about the school fees, about helping, bathing the children, ironing the dress. I get what I'm saying. Your domestic duties start. When you wake up at dawn, by the time your domestic work should start, you are finished praying. You are finished praying. Listen. Prayer must come before all other things. The Bible says, as Jesus was praying, Peter and the rest, and when they found him, when they found him, which means that, when they found him, means that they looked for him. They looked for him. It was not easy to find where Jesus was. And when they found him, they said, all men look for thee. And he said, okay, now let us go to the other towns to go and preach. He knew that he had to go to the other towns to go and preach. There, was, there were other parts of the ministry that he had to do. He had to counsel people. He had to pray for people. He had to teach people. He had to evangelize. But he put all that aside to go and do the most important thing first. To wait on God. To wait on God. To wait on God. All men look for thee. Listen. A normal pastor. All men will look for you all the time. A normal pastor every time has something to do. How many of you can agree? A normal pastor. Every time you have something that you must do. You have to cancel somebody. You have to pray for somebody. You have to visit somebody. You have to dedicate somebody's shop. Somebody's child is not well. Something. You have to fulfill an appointment. Somebody. You have to go and preach. You know something. There's a program. Somewhere. A normal pastor in your normal life. Always. There are a lot of things for you to do. That is. Watch this. That is the reason why. Many pastors cannot pray. In the midst of doing the normal things that a pastor does, they relegate the most important thing that a pastor must do. Being with God. Being with God. But being with God and waiting on God is your strength for the ministry. It's your strength for the ministry. So Jesus will wake up to go and pray. Jesus will have powerful 
meetings, conventions, revival meetings, evangelistic meetings, and then he will go and pray. We will be sitting in the church shaking hands, receiving praises. Oh, it was very powerful. It was very powerful. Jesus, he said, it was very powerful. He said, okay, God bless you. You know, see all of you. you know, and then he went to the mountain to go and pray. Hallelujah. Are you here or you go home? Luke chapter 6 and verse 12. The prayer life of Jesus. We are talking about church growth and Gethsemane. Having a place where you wait on God. Luke chapter 6 and verse 12. And it came to pass in those days that he went into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. He went into a mountain to pray and continued all night. You see, there's something that I'm trying to let you understand. That when you hear that Jesus was a mega church pastor, it was not because he came from heaven. So he was special that as for him, because he came from heaven, it's that by all means he had to have a mega church. No. Jesus ministered as an ordinary man. That is why he needed the Holy Spirit. That is what, as a matter of fact, he did not do any ministry for 30 years until the Holy Spirit came upon him. Do you know that? The first 30 years of his life, he was a carpenter. When the Holy Spirit came upon him, he started doing mighty things. The people said, from whence has this man such wisdom? Is he not the carpenter? Are his brothers and sisters not with us? Understand it. People follow Jesus. His church was full. He worked miracles, signs and wonders. Not because he came from heaven, but because as a pastor, eh, he waited on God. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, was anointed. And he waited on God. He prayed all night. He prayed all night. Do you pray all night? Apart from your church all night. You yourself as a pastor. Are staying up. Praying all night. Waiting upon God. Jesus stayed up. People were snoring. He was praying. All night. About the ministry. He was about to appoint leaders. Select out of the thousands of people who were following him as disciples. He was about to choose some. To be intimate to him. Twelve. That you work with. 
And he was seeking the face of God. It was after this online prayer that he selected the twelve to follow him. How do you come by the decisions in your ministry? How do you come by the decisions? How do you determine what to preach, what to teach, what type of ministry to do, where to travel to, what to do, what not to do? What guides you? And many of us are guided just by what is around us. Everybody is having deliverance ministry in their ministry, so I'm also doing some. We must be guided by the Lord. And that guidance will come when we spend time in our Gethsemane with Him. Say with Him. That is why I said a pastor must not be seen too much. Yes. I hear you go home. And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples. When it was day. And of them he chose twelve, whom also he called apostles. Hallelujah. How did you come by your assistant in the church. That is why he's taken away the church. You just look at him, his ability to jump around in the church from today based on the way you can shout in prayer. You are my assistant. Yeah. Listen. How many of you have noticed that when you start a church, there are some people, some particular people who come they can pray. They can live praise and worship. They are very passionate. At about three, four weeks, you don't see them again. They are like professional church volunteers or whatever it is. They want positions. When we started at our church, at a point, there was this guy who came around. He was very helpful. He would take us round. When we were calling brothers something, I forgot his name, not knowing that he was known as Reverend. He was a Reverend. <laughs> yeah. When we realized that he was a Reverend and we confronted him, that was it. He disappeared from the church. Wow. Luke 9, 18. Luke 9, 18. And it came to pass as he was alone praying. And it came to pass as he was alone praying. Watch, now watch the pattern. Watch the pattern. I'm talking to you about the prayer life of Jesus. Watch the pattern. Watch the pattern. Mark 25, he was alone. Matthew 14, 24, he was alone. Luke 6, 12, he was alone all night. Luke 9, 18, he was alone. 
Pastor, that is your life. You want to be a pastor? That is your life. Being alone with God. Being alone with God. You are too busy, Pastor. You are too busy visiting. You are too busy preaching. You are too busy. You see, for example, preaching. Listen. You can go on and preach, which is good. Preach and preach and preach until you are preaching air. There's no power in what you are saying. Nobody is blessed. There's no revelation. Nobody is edified. You are just speaking air. There's no spirit. Hallelujah. Just watch. And it came to pass as he was alone praying, his disciples were with him, and he asked them, saying, Whom say people that I am? Hallelujah. Eh? Luke 9, 28. And it came to pass about an Eight days after these sayings, he took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain to pray. See, this time, he's taking his close people. This is another point that I'll be sharing with you. But watch. Pray. 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 Hallelujah. Praying. So, mega church seeking pastor, you must be like Jesus. A man of prayer. A man that knows how to wait upon the Lord. A man that knows how to seek the face of the Lord. A man that has a place called Gethsemane. Your Gethsemane. That you go to frequently. And the only reason why you are here is, Lord, I am with you. Where you leave everybody aside. Your wife, your children, the church, your friends, the programs. And it's a Lord, for the next two days, for the next three days, next one day, the next one week, I am here with you. That was the pattern of Jesus. That is why he had a mega church. Hallelujah. And I can go on and on and on and on. Even just before he died, he was praying. He prayed and said, Lord, don't mind them. They don't know what they are doing. Even the death itself, he prayed about it, whether it was the will of God. But I don't want to die. But if it is your will, I will die. Can I have an amen? amen. Church growth and Gethsemane. The second principle of Gethsemane. Gethsemane shows us the greatest example of waiting on the Lord. Gethsemane shows us the greatest example of waiting on the Lord. There is no man that is used of the Lord who has not interacted with the Lord deeply and personally. Moses encountered the Lord by the burning bush. 
It was that personal, private, burning bush meeting that prepared him into his worldwide ministry. It will be your personal, private, burning bush experience that would propel you into the church growth you desire. Jacob's meeting with the Lord also gave birth to his ministry of producing God's nation of Israel. Hallelujah. How many of you want to be prepared into the mega church ministry? Eh? You need an encounter. You need an, an encounter. Yes. One of these powerful healing evangelists, I think it was A.A. A. Allen. He was so frustrated trying to experience the power of God eh, that one time he told his wife, I'm entering this room. I'm entering this room. I'm going to see the face of God until I receive power. When I go lock me up and don't open me until I say that I'm ready now. Yes. So he locked himself into the room. And waited upon the Lord until he received power. Then he came out. That is how he became a Allen. Yes. You see fantastic healing ministry. They brought a man to him from the hospital, accompanied by a nurse. He couldn't walk. He was paralyzed. He could not walk. Grown lean from a cancer in his stomach. Couldn't eat. Huh? They brought him to his meeting. He prayed for him. And gave him a drink and I think sausage or something. Eat it. The man ate. And for the first time, the food stayed. You have not been able to eat for a long time. No, wait. The best part is coming. Then he had his hand and prayed for him. And lifted him and said, Stand up. The man stood. Paralyzed. And everybody was, This is a meeting. I can show you the video. The man started walking. Soon he started running. Somebody was totally paralyzed. Miracle power. Miracle power. How did he get it? An encounter propelled him. Hallelujah. Moses saying, Jacob, Jacob built a mega church. He gave birth to the twelve tribes. So we see the example of what Gethsemane can do. 
church growth and Gethsemane. Waiting upon the Lord. But we are too busy. We are too busy. Yeah. We are too busy. You are too busy. Up and down. Including, you know, and often we are not busy just doing wrong things. Even the, just the ministry. Preaching, teaching, visiting, evangelism, crusades. Ah, every day moving. Moving. Do you get it? Yeah. And that is why we bear little fruit. But there's no power. There's no power. We have to go to the source of power first. We have to go to the source of power first. And we treat, we receive power, receive, receive strength, receive instruction, receive direction, advice. God has to show us what to do. So that we can become fruit. Hallelujah. So, from today, find your Gethsemane. Yes. Find your Gethsemane. And be like Jesus. Remember the scripture we read in Luke 22? It says, He went to Gethsemane as his custom was. So, it was not something that he did once in a while. It was known of him that he will leave everybody and go and wait upon the Lord. When was the last time you went to wait upon the Lord? That you and God. You and God. Pastor, it's so important. Can I have an amen? amen. Number three. We are talking about church growth and Gethsemane. Hmm? Gethsemane teaches us that you must have a place you go to. You go to often to wait on the Lord. Gethsemane teaches us that you must have a place you go to often. The key word is often to wait upon the Lord. It must be part of your life's routine to visit Gethsemane regularly. According to the scripture, it was Jesus' custom to visit that garden in the Mount of Olives. Luke 22, 39. And he came out and proceeded as was his custom. So, how many of you are looking for a mega church? Right. Now, this is one of the things that you have to do from this conference. If you don't have it, go and look for your Gethsemane. Go and look for your Gethsemane. And your Gethsemane is not your house. 
It's not your house. It's another place apart from your house. I have a nice study in my house. Most of the time, that's where I am. Trying to find God. But when I actually step out to go to Gethsemane, on the way or when I arrive, it is different. It is different. I know it. Even on the way, as I'm driving, I know that it is different. God often even begins to speak to me as I'm going. Yeah. Yeah. Gethsemane is very important for your life, Pastor. Gethsemane is very important. You may have to spend money to be in a guest house, to be in a hotel, to rent a place. You have to spend money. Do you remember that when we're talking about how to work hard to build a mega church, we said one of the ways is that you must spend energy and money. You must spend energy and money. When I was growing up in ministry, as a lay pastor, those of you who know Accra, Abokobi Presby Women's Center, I was living at Kaneshi, at a Kaneshi or Ringway Estate. I would drive there. I will drive there. Monday, I arrive. I'll park my car and I'll be there from Monday to Friday and leave Friday evening or Saturday morning. I used to go there often. I'll wake up and pray from 6 in the morning to 4 in the afternoon. Reading books. Listening to messages. I remember 4 o'clock, I'll get up to go and eat. I'll go and eat. And then relax. I used to listen to the news at 7. So around about 8 p.m., I'll go back and pray to 12 and sleep. Wake up and continue like that. So the people knew me. The people at the kitchen knew me. The people who did the bookings, they knew me. When I called, they said, oh, you are coming again. I had a patient. He had a hotel somewhere around the Nyaho Clinic. He said, oh, you can come that anytime. You can come there. That place too was my Gethsemane. 
I had a couple of places. I have always had Gethsemane. Always. I have a Gethsemane now that I go to. Even recently, a certain place I used to go, the owner of the place was telling the son that Bishop doesn't come here anymore. And she said, I understand why. Because it used to be a quiet place. And then now she introduced parties and this type of receptions and all that. You know, so increasingly the place became noisy. And she knew it. There were many times that she would apologize to me. She's sorry. She, know, she knows that I'm there. And the place is noisy. So I left. I've not been back. Hallelujah. How many of you are going to look for Gethsemane? Are you going to look for one? Yes. Yes. Is very important for your life. Hey. Listen. Greatness in your life and in the ministry depends on your ability to hear from God. What makes you significant? It's your ability to hear from God. It changes everything. The people in the Bible who we know, who are significant, are the people that God spoke to. And the people in the Bible that God didn't speak to, are the people that we don't know of and were not significant. Do you know Enos? Enos. What about Jared? Jared. Do you know Mahalalil? <laughs> All these people in the Bible. Some of them live for Methuselah lived 969 years. Summary of his life. And he lived 969 years. And he had children and he died. Finished. So. But how many of you know Noah? Do you know why you know Noah? Genesis chapter 6, God spoke to Noah. What about Abraham? Abraham. How many of you know Abraham? You know Abraham? Do you know why you know Abraham? Genesis chapter 12, God spoke to Abraham. What about Isaac? How many of you know Isaac? Reverend Dr. Isaac, how many of you know him? You know him? We must wait Wait, wait on the Lord. We must wait, 
Wait, wait on the Lord. Learn our lessons well. In His time, He will tell us where to go, what to do, what to say. Is that not it? In His time, He will tell us what to do, what to go, what to say. But before that, we must wait. Isaac. How many of you know Reverend Dr. Isaac? You know him? Do you know why you know him? Genesis chapter 20 says, God spoke to Isaac. (laughs) Yes. Moses, you know Moses because God spoke to Moses in Exodus 3. Joshua, out of all the people who followed Moses and came out, do you understand it? Apart from Moses, Aaron, the next person that we know is Joshua. Why? God spoke to him. Joshua 1. God spoke to him. Your ability to hear from God. Is what makes you significant in the ministry. Jesus, without healing anybody, preaching a single message, nothing was made known to the world. Why? Because a voice came. A voice came. A voice came and said, This is my beloved son. Hear him. That is what happens when you go to Gethsemane. When you go to Gethsemane, you hear a voice. You hear a voice. You see a voice. Most of the time we are in confusion. What must you do in the church? What must you do? How many of you feel confused? What must you do? What must you do? What must you do? Listen to me. You, you must do nothing. You must do nothing. Why? Because Jesus said, Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church. You are not building anything. There is no pastor here who is building anything. The church is not built by a man. You are only a servant. And what do servants do? Servants report to the master and ask, I'm here. What should I do? Your confusion lies in the fact that as a servant you have decided that you will instruct yourself. But God, who has called you, wants to instruct you and teach you. Psalm 32 and verse 8. He said, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way that thou ought to go. I will guide thee with my eyes. So, when you go to Gethsemane, you say, listen, the reason why Gethsemane is important is because, look, even our normal prayers that we pray, we wake up and pray, is good. You know, but often it is messed up with a lot of things. Do you get it? But when you appear at Gethsemane, eh, you are telling God that for the next two days, for the next one day, for the next three days, for the next one week, I am here with you. I'm here with you. 
You go with your Bible. You go with your messages. Your videos. I get what I'm saying. And for that period, it is only you speaking to God and God speaking to you. It is different. It is different. It is different. You are not distracted. You are not in a hurry. You are not in a hurry to answer a phone call. You are not in a hurry to visit anybody. You are not in a hurry to do anything. You are here, you and God. You and God. So get your Gethsemane. If you have to rent all the time, do that. Spend money. Pay money and be there. And be there. Can I have an amen? amen? One word from God will change everything. One word. All that you need is one word. One dream. One vision. One vision. Yeah. A couple of years ago, beginning of the year, I went to Gethsemane. And I was there. I was there for seven, seven days. I prayed seven days with the Lord's Prayer. Day one, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I spent the whole day worshiping the Lord. Day two, thy kingdom come, the work of God, the whole day. When you go to Gethsemane, you need to know what even to pray about. And that particular time, the Lord showed me Satan. I had a vision. And in the vision, I found myself standing like at the edge of some bushes. Not knowing that right at my feet was a big snake. Very big snake. Right at my feet. And the Lord said, look, I saw it. So, wow. When I woke up, the Lord said, this year, watch out. Satan is going to be very close to you. Watch out. This year. This year. It was a year that the devil really harassed me. Harassed my church. In fact, from the beginning, no. A whole family. A whole an important family who were doing important things in the church. Say, they won't come to church again. They said they won't come to church again. Because something has happened. You offended. Something has happened. When my pastors told me 
I was not worried at all. I told them, I told them, I told them, leave it, leave them alone. I know where it is coming from. Let's pray. Let's deal with the, the snake, the snake that I saw. He has started manifesting already. I told them, no visit. It won't work. It won't help. They were very hurt. Talking plenty. Hey! I don't want to say what they do because immediately some of you may know the people. But we dealt with it. And I dealt with it. I was sitting in my study one time in the evening around about maybe 7 p.m., when I got a call from one of them, Bishop, are you at Toba? I said, yes. Can we come and see you? They have not been coming to church for about four weeks. Can we come and see you? I saw you can come. So they came. We sat down. We are here to tell you that we have really been hurt. You know, why are you hurt? We went through the issues. And within a short time, they were on their knees, begging and apologizing. All of them came back to church. You see, at Gethsemane, I have been told, watch out! Watch out. Watch out. Stop running around. You are running around too much. You are seen everywhere. A pastor must not be seen too much. You see someone like Prophet Kakra? Eh? You see someone like Prophet Kakra? He's there with the Lord. Most times. Most times. Any significant man of God who the Lord is using, one of the keys is the key of Gethsemane. You can clap your hands for the Lord if you want. So you must have Gethsemane. Write it down. Write it down. In fact, write it, I must have Gethsemane and then into bracket, write the name of the place. Because I'm sure as I'm talking, we have thought about it. Write the name of the place. No, because this conference, we are not teaching you theories. If it's theories, then please, you have wasted your time. I get what I'm saying. Yeah, God is giving us, God is giving us ideas, thoughts. How many of you, as you have sat here from yesterday, certain things have occurred to you that I must do this, I must do this, I must do this, I must stop doing this. Ah, that's, God, God is speaking to you. Hallelujah. Number three. Number three. Church growth and Gethsemane. That's what we are talking about. Number three. Or number four. Gethsemane teaches us the importance of going away. 
from your usual environment and to places where you benefit from nature. Gethsemane teaches us the importance of going away from your usual environment and to places where you benefit from nature. Nature tends to relax you and God's voice will reach you better when your mind and heart are relaxed. Nature itself has many messages contained within it. Amen. Number five. Gethsemane teaches the importance of fellowshipping with your most senior friends and associates. Do you remember um, Luke 9? Yeah? That as Jesus was praying, his disciples were around. At another time, he took Peter, James, and John to the mountain. So, sometimes you carry your closest associates. So let's go and wait upon the Lord. And whilst we are there, we fellowship. We'll be discussing about the work. We'll be sharing deep truths. Jesus did that. Mark chapter 3. From verse 13. And he went unto a mountain and called unto him those he would. That they may be with him and that he might send them forth to preach and to cast out devils. So he called you, 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 come. Come and be with me. Come and be with me. Let's talk. Let me teach you certain things. Amen. Every pastor must have several levels of associates. You must have several levels. Jesus had a one twenty. He had a seventy. He had a twelve. He had a three. And the fewer they are, the closer they are to you. Yeah. Can I have a man? Yeah. Eh? How many of you understand the message? Church group and get seven. See well. Gethsemane is a place where uh, Gethsemane is a place where you can have important life-changing discussions with the most important people in your ministry. Do you understand that? So, Pastor, remember that you cannot build the ministry alone. You need to have helpers. You need to have close helpers. People that you are transforming to be like you. That you can trust with the ministry. So, from time to time, you, you take them 
Five of them, six of them, seven of them. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go for one day. Let's go for two days. Let's go for three days. I remember how we started branches in Lighthouse. The bishop used to send a few of us in the early 90s to the Legon Gardens to go and pray. I think Fridays. Early in the morning we arrived. And he will share the prayer topic. And then we start to pray with his face. Until we hear him calling us again. We come. Alright. That he will share something. Something about the ministry. Something about the work. You know and all that. We continue to pray. And I remember at one particular time. We have been praying for a while. Then he called us. Under a bay tree. Lighthouse then had the cathedral. That was it. Then he pointed to the tree and said, Guys, look at the tree. Have you seen how big the tree is? A big stem. But watch the branches. The tree has many branches. Some of the branches are big. Some of the branches are little. But you can see that that same tree has many branches. Then he said, I feel that lighthouse we must move into branches. Then he said, he said, I'm going to send those of you here to go and do branch work. There was nothing like that at that time. We were very unhappy. But we, we like the fellowship of being with him. He said, I will send you out. That is our lighthouse. You see, that Gethsemane Eh? The Gethsemane meeting with a few of the people is what has led to a worldwide ministry today. Amen? Are you here? You go home. Number six. Gethsemane teaches us the importance of being alone with God. We've spoken about that. And finally, Gethsemane teaches us the importance of praying, Thy will be done for several hours. Hallelujah. Eh? Jesus prayed, Let your will be done. Pastors, this is one prayer that we must pray all the time. Go and hide somewhere for one day and pray. Let your will be done. Let your will be done. Jesus prayed that prayer. He prayed it three times. One hour each. Let your will be done. Let your will be done. You see, ministry is about the will of God. Ministry is about the will of God. Ministry is about what? Because it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his own good pleasure. Look, there's nothing like 
I'm here. I'm building my church. I've decided I'm planting churches here. There's nothing like that. What is it that God is trying to do with you? That is why to pray, let your will be done, is such an important prayer. Bishop Dad says, long before he started the ministry, as a student, he would go and stand at the shores of the Kologono uh, beach and pray into the wind. He couldn't be here himself. Lord, let your will be done. Use me. Let your will be done. And that prayer has been heard. That prayer has been heard. Because after medical school, eh, most of his friends left. And he could have also left. But that prayer, let your will be done. Do you understand it? Eh? In the realm of the spirit, became like super glue. God used those prayers to, to glue him to the will and the purposes of God. And so stay here. Stay here. Church growth and Gethsemane. Church growth and Gethsemane. So get a place where you go to wait upon the Lord. Pastors, without praying and having a prayer life like Jesus, you are not going to succeed in the ministry. You are not. You are not without having a prayer life, consistent, regular, deep prayer life. Whether at home or going to Gethsemane, you aren't going to be successful. Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 21. Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 21. Never forget this scripture. Mark it in your Bible. Okay? Highlight it red. Or double red. Hallelujah. Are you there? Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 21. For the pastors have become brutish and have not sought the law. Therefore, they shall not prosper and their sheep shall scatter. Hello? Now look at me, pastors. When we say a pastor has prospered, first and foremost is prosperity in sheep. Is that also? A lot of sheep. God has blessed you. Abraham and uh, Isaac and the rest, well, they, they were describing their prosperity in flocks. It's today that we, we discover prosperity in cars, you know, and all that. But sheep, 
the people that God has given to you in the church. So when God says that a pastor will not prosper, it means that a pastor will not have a lot of sheep. And not only that, even the, the few that he has are likely to scatter. And God gives the reason. He said, the past, because the pastors have not sought me. They have become brutish. One translation says they have become senseless. Another translation says the pastors have become stupid. It is stupidity of the highest order as a servant of God to think that you can do the ministry without God. Stupidity of the highest order. So one day God called the angels. He pointed to the pastors. He said, look at them. How stupid they have become. How sensitive they have become. Angels was, why are you saying that? He said, having to say they don't seek me. They don't pray. They don't wait on me. They don't call on me. They don't, they don't seek my counsel. That is why Peter and the rest rose up. And they said, listen, we beg you. Enough of seven rice and stew and chicken, you know, we beg you. We beg you. We beg you. And you see, they were being what normal pastors do. A normal pastor loves the sheep, wants to care. How are you? Is you okay? Where, where is it? Where, 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 where is the, 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 the itch? I want to scratch it for here. Let me scratch it for you. That, that's a normal pastor. It's a normal pastor. A real shepherd is among the sheep. Rubbing their skin of oil. Removing the incense. But you can take it too deeply. And now your devotion is to the sheep. And no more to God. How many of you understand that? Yeah. But your devotion must first and foremost, be to God. Before thy kingdom come, before your will be done, before daily bread, before forgiveness of sins, hallowed be thy name. I love you. I worship you. I recognize you in my life as my Lord, as my creator, as my savior. You called me into ministry. Ministry to the people must be preceded by ministry to God. The priestly ministry. I hear you gone. Are you sure? During the tabernacle ministry. That is how God arranged the priestly ministry. The tabernacle was essentially a tent. A tent. That was divided into two. The first part was called the holy place. The second part was called the holy of holies. And the tent stood in a compound and was surrounded by a fence. 
will forgive. So you entered the gate and came to the compound. And at the compound was the altar of sacrifice. The altar of sacrifice. At the door of the the entrance of the tabernacle was a big bow. It was called labor. Made up of the looking glasses of the women of Israel with water in it. When you enter the holy place, the whole place was dark. But there were three important things there. The golden candlesticks, the table of incense, and then the shoe bread. The holy place was separated from the holy of holies by a thick curtain. And in the holy of holies, was the mercy seat and two cherubims stood over the mercy seat. Do you understand? On a daily basis, how many of you are here? Are you here? Eh? I'm explaining to you that that as a priest your ministry is first to God and then to the people. On a daily basis, the priests will come to the compound and make sacrifices on the behalf of the people. Peace offerings, sin offerings, eh? all kinds of offerings. So they will bring, you bring turtle dove, bring a goat, bring pigeon. And Everybody was there as these sacrifices were being made. That is ministry to the people. And it's very beautiful. Everybody said, wow, how kind the priest is. Our pastor is very nice. He's very caring. And they shower praises on you. But after that, after that, the priest will now enter the holy place. Only the high priest was allowed to enter the holy of holies once a year. Enter the holy place. Before he entered, his hands would be dirty with blood. So he washed his hands in the waters, in the liver, and enter. When he entered, eh, he had To change the bread and put fresh bread there. And the bread is the word of God. So on daily basis, the priests had an interaction of the word of God. A priest must have interaction with the word of God on daily basis. Quiet time. Quiet time. Sending the scriptures on daily basis. Many pastors don't study the scriptures. It's true. 
We don't read the Bible. We don't study the scriptures. We don't. Bishop Dark says, if you ask me, what is my greatest secret to all that the Lord has used me to do? It is, you say, I will say to you, it is my quiet times that I have been having with you. So I've given to you Bishop Dark's greatest secret. It's written, read his book, Quiet Time. You read it. It's written there. Huh? Then he couldn't see. He could the place was dark. So he would lighten the candles. He would lighten them. So that there will be illumination. That is symbolic of the presence of the Holy Spirit. That throws light on the word of God and brings revelation. So every day. A priest, a pastor is there in the presence of God being given illumination by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will be explaining to you the scriptures. He's the ancient that teaches us. 1 John 2.20, 1 John 2.27. Hallelujah. And then you offer incense. Change the bread, lighten the candles, offer incense. And the incense stands for the prayers of the saints. So you see that on a regular basis, the priest interacted with the word of God in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Prayed. That's what it meant. And all this part of the ministry, nobody was there. He was alone. He was alone. And that is what defines Eh, the potency of his ministry. The ministry that nobody can see. What did Jesus say? What did Jesus say? He says the things that you do in secret are the things that my father will reward you. Number one, when you give, give in secret. Number two, when you fast, fast in secret. Number three, when you pray, pray in secret. After all this while, my father who sees in secret will reward you. It is the things that we do in secret that people don't see that makes God to bless our ministries. That is why I'm saying to you, a pastor must not be seen too often. Yes. Are we have gone home? Are we still here? Are we going to pray? Are we going to wait on the Lord? Church goes and Gethsemane. Being with God. Waiting on God. And receiving from the Lord. For the pastors have become brutish. And have not sought me. Therefore they shall not prosper. And their sheep shall scatter. Hallelujah. May that not be our story. May it not be your story. Hallelujah. I said, may it not be your story. 
you are going to become a pastor who has Gethsemane. You tell your wife, I'll be back. Three days. Yeah. And you see, you need self-discipline. Prayer is one of the things that can make you look so stupid. No, because you are there. What are you doing? One hour, two hours. What are you saying? But with God, the things that look foolish, they are the powerful things. Like giving. Why should you give your money? And when you give, you release power to be blessed. Like preaching. Why should you preach? I mean, you're on the street. Preaching, why? Nice person like you. But preaching is the power of God unto salvation. After that, men, by their own wisdom, has rejected the word of God. The Bible says that God chose that through the foolishness of preaching. So God has accepted that preaching is foolishness. But that through the foolishness of preaching, men might be saved. Hallelujah. Sometimes I can be in the presence of the Lord. Praying the whole day, 16 hours. I feel so tired. I feel weary. I feel exhausted. And I've not heard the voice of God. Sometimes three days I've been there, I've not heard the voice of God. Wow. I feel so hopeless and useless. But He will speak. He will speak. Sometimes three days later, after I've left, she will speak. After speaking, she will speak. When he will speak, it's left of him. My duty is to be there. Stand to your feet and lift up your hands and pray. You're going to pray and say, Lord, anoint me to pray. Anoint me to pray. Anoint me to pray. Lift up your hands. Lift up your hands and pray. Lift up your hands and pray. Lift up your hands and pray. Anoint me to pray.
Come and lift up your hands and pray. Say, Lord, I not me to pray. Draw me to yourself, Lord. your hands everybody you are praying Lord I not me to pray Give unto us the spirit of supplication. Draw me close to you, Lord.
Light of the World Cathedral Collegon. Opposite the Collegon main gate. Please note our service times. English services, early rain service, 6.30 a.m. to 8.30 a.m. His present service, 8.30 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. And love and faith service, 10.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Other languages, L'Eglise Glorious, French, 7.30 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. Love and Victory, Gain, 7.30 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. And Love and Hope Tree, 9.30 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. Our Vibrant Youth Church also starts at 12 noon to 2 p.m. Be part of our midweek importation service this and every Tuesday from 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. prompt. For prayer, counseling and further inquiries, please call 0278-888-884 or 0543-289-289. The numbers again, 0278-888-884 or 0543-289-289. God bless you.